Hey friends, welcome to the Fielder Church podcast, where we hope to go deep, get practical, and equip you to exhale the gospel wherever you go. My name is Eric. I'm going to be your host today, and I am joined here by South Oaks campus pastor, Matt Hunter. Matt, thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah, with us. I'm excited to be here with you, Eric. It's going to be good. Yeah, that really, really does warm my heart. Uh, and today we are in the third episode of a six-part series that coincides with our Prayer Is sermon series that we're doing on Sundays, just trying to get a little bit deeper into what prayer means, maybe some of the background of how these messages have been developed and just hear a little bit more of the heart. But before we dive in, uh, rumor on the street is that the Hunter family has a new member, a furrier member. Can you talk a little bit about the new dog, what the process was like with your kids and what that looks like right now? Yeah. When you said furrier member, I mean, we hunters do have uh, some hair, uh, but we do have a new puppy. Her name is Rivy. It's short for Rivera. And that can be a story for another time. But we, our kids have been begging for a dog for a long time. And even the twins going, me, 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 baby dog. No, big dog, baby dog. They wanted a baby dog and we got a puppy. And it's, uh, why add another living thing to our house when we have five kids within five years? And it's because uh, you love your children. You want to give them things that they were excited about. So it's been a blessing. It's been a lot of fun and we're still working on potty training. We're going to get there. Oh gosh. That sounds like a really hectic, but exciting time in the Hunter household. And just that idea of wanting to give your kids a really good gift that they have been persistently asking for really ties into a lot of what we've been doing in this prayer series. And today we are diving into this idea of prayer is our lifeline for help. Now that comes from the part of the Lord's prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. Uh, Can you expand a little bit more on what exactly that means and how you kind of develop that over the sermon writing process? Yeah, I think whenever we think of prayer, the first thing we think about is coming to God for help. Mm -hmm. You think about when anyone encounters a crisis, uh, even unbelieving, unreligious people, when they really enter into crisis, you think about what happened in in 9-11 with the World Trade Centers, like I don't know where you were. I remember exactly where I was. I was a junior in high school coming out of U.S. government class, and that happened. And the next day, hundreds of of students, most of them unbelieving, were in my gym praying. It's like we immediately call out to God. And so when you think about our lifeline for help, when we come, it's, it's our most natural way to pray is we, we realize that our circumstances are greater than what we can handle and we're out of control. And even whether we truly believe in God or not, we're not sure, but we, we need something. You know what I mean? That's like if a sailor has a lifeline, you know, on a boat and the waves get rocky, it's like, I don't know if this is going to hold me or not, but I'm going to yeah. grab on. And so I think uh, that's why we wanted to lean into it. But also the Lord did t- tell us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And it's, so what we need to learn is it's not just uh, a cry or a flare into the night prayer, but it's actually a prayer of dependence, mm. understanding that uh, whether we realize it or not, all of our needs, like we're completely dependent on God to, to meet those needs. Whether we truly understand that, realize that, or think about it or not, our, our very breath we breathe, we're dependent on the Lord to give us that grace. So that's kind of where it came from. 
Yeah. And there was an illustration that was used yesterday that really struck home with me that was talking about for maybe a scuba diver or even an astronaut, they have what's called a lifeline that is bringing oxygen to their suits. And so often, kind of like you talked about, I think about prayer as kind of this life preserver that's thrown to me in moments of crisis rather than this consistent line of life that is brought to my very being. So can you talk about how we can maybe shift our perspective away from crisis? crisis mode and into this idea where we are really depending on God every moment rather than just in the crisis. Yeah. I think really thinking about it, it being an act of, you know, prayer is an act of dependency on God. I think a lot of times when you think of just like pride and humility, Mm. we, we think of the difference between those two really being like overconfidence or different things like that. And that, that really isn't it. You know, pride is independence from God and humility is dependence on God. So one is acting independently of him. I've got it. I'm okay. I can handle it. I'm in control. I, I really don't need like, I've got the money I need. I've got, you know, I've got my, my weekly bread. I've got my monthly bread. I've got everything taken care of. I really don't need God to prayer being dependency on God. It's like, I, I'm completely dependent on you, God, to, to give me the things that I need to work in me in the situation because I need you so desperately. And so when you think about it like that, it's in humility, regardless of how much I have, that I understand I'm not the provider for my family. Uh, I've never provided any, like all that provision comes from the Lord. I'm not able to be the father I need to be to my children. I'm not able to lead them with grace and and point them to the things that need, they need to be pointed to. I'm, I'm not able to be the, the husband that I need to be to Lauren. Um, or the employee or, you know, every aspect of my life, I'm dependent on God to change me. I'm dependent mm-hmm. on him in every way to, to meet the needs that I have. And so I think that that's when you think of it, dependency that way, it's, it's really pride that would cause us to be prayerless mm-hmm. because we're going, I, I'm okay without meeting with you, God. And that kind of goes into some of the other definitions of pride or definitions of prayer that we've talked about, like, intimacy with the father. I'm okay. If I don't have this intimacy with you, I got it on my own. Well, we're, our prayerlessness is, is really pridefulness mm. and God opposes that. And it's, it's going dependent on God for him to meet every single need you we're dependent on him. We need him. Yeah. It's that life. It's not a life preserver. It's a lifeline for us to experience the life that he created us and saved us to experience in the fullness in him. Yeah, that's huge. And I think Drawing that connection between pride and prayerlessness, I think in American culture, Western culture, we have a tendency towards independence Mm -hmm. where we say, I can provide for my own financial needs. I can provide for my own physical, emotional needs. And as we're looking at our relationships with God, really wanting to dive into what dependence looks like. And so this next question kind of falls into that. Do you think it is easier for people who have maybe experienced some level of some greater level of dependence or who may have less, whether that's financially, relationally, is it easier for them to depend on God or to be dependent on God than for some of us who may not have experienced that? It's a really great question. And it's really, really interesting. I actually, you asking me that it, it reminds me of uh, a mission trip I was on uh, in Haiti several years ago. And we were at a church, a Haitian church service, and they began to sing this song. Uh, all I need is you, Lord. It's you, Lord. You are all I need. And that just continued. They repeated it over and over again. Mm. And I remember 
there was such a stark difference between the way the Haitians were interacting with that song and all of us from America who had come to serve them. They believed it. Like deep down in their souls, they were getting on the ground. They were crying out that there was not a, a greater moment of worship for them than that song as they were singing it over and over and over again. It really struck me. Their need is evident. They don't have a lot of money. They're still they're They don't always have access to clean water. They've got one to two pairs of clothes. They're got leaks in their roof. I mean, it's it's a third world country. Poverty is everywhere. It's difficult. They are hyper aware because of their physical surroundings and because of their circumstances, how desperately they need God. Hmm. Now, they're hyper aware of it. But we got to understand there's a spiritual awareness that if we have a ton of stuff, it's easier for for our stuff, our things, our wealth to become our lifeline. But the truth is, we're just as desperate to be dependent on God, regardless of how much or how little we have. And that's where Mm -hmm. you look at certain people who, who have a lot. And God has blessed them. I mean, they don't even have, it's not even weekly or monthly bread. I mean, they got yearly bread. They're they're (laughs) blessed. But they have come to understand that they didn't earn that, that it's not provision uh, that they have gotten for that. They haven't provided that for their family. And they choose to leverage what God has given them to to love God and to provide for the needs of others and and to, to push forward the kingdom of God and that I think that really comes the reason why they make those choices is because they realize my dependency is completely mm. on Jesus. And uh, so I think it's, it's easier to understand like just how it is physically, but the truth is we're all desperate. We all need to come to a place where we're completely dependent on God, whether we have a ton or whether we have a little. Yeah. And so much of that is based on humility coming before God in prayer. Yeah. Bowing down in submission, like we've talked about uh, in weeks past. And so for someone who may be saying, I've never viewed prayer like this, what does it look like for me to shift my perspective and focus maybe on the heart of God for us in prayer? Yeah. I think um, when you understand that God is faithful and you understand who God is, and that he's going to, he's not in the business of meeting our, our wants. Mm. He's in the business of meeting our needs. You know, we talked about it in the sermon, Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. It's not my God will supply all of my wants or my desires. It's all my needs. So then when I understand that he makes this promise, God keeps his promises. Mm. And so I can approach the the heart of God by praying the word of God and and asking him, not begging him to meet my needs. Oh God, could you somehow just meet my, no, why would I beg him? He's already promised me that he would do it in Philippians 4.19. And so thank you, God, that your word says that you're going to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. So Lord, I ask that you would meet this need. And then you got to trust God that he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly when you need it. And when he doesn't give it to you in the time frame that you think he's not slow as others regard slowness, he knows what he's doing. And he promises in Romans 8, 28 to work all things out for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. God doesn't waste our time. Mm-hmm. 
even when he doesn't operate within our time, he knows exactly what he's yeah. doing. And uh, I think knowing the word of God and, and believing the promises of God and praying through the promise of God really help you understand who God is and what he says you are too in, in receiving the promises that he's given us in his word. Yeah. And so I know a lot of people would hear that and maybe having some background in the Bible, they would kind of rebut with Psalm 37, four, which specifically says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, and you mentioned that God is in the business of meeting needs, not desires. So how do you kind of struggle with that tension or deal with that tension that we find in that Psalm in particular? Yeah, it's a great promise, right? Mm -hmm. Psalm 37, four, and that delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I think what happens a lot of times with that rebuttal is that we focus on the second part. We focus on desires and it's like focusing on the, on the number two and getting four, but you need the two before it, two mm -hmm. plus two to get four. Like you can't, there's two parts of that equation. I love that I just went math. <laughs> I mean, that's so, so <laughs> random that I would do that. But it's important. We just focus on that uh, that he's going to meet my desires. Yeah. But the first part of that is delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When we really delight ourselves in the Lord, then obviously this is, he's going to change the desires of our heart. So when we're delighting ourselves totally in the Lord, like he's our delight. He's where we get our joy. He's where we receive life, uh, like pleasure. All those things is like in knowing him, then he's the one who changes our heart and changes the desires of our heart to where the desire of our heart would be our greatest need and our greatest want, which is him. Mm. And so that promise isn't about, uh, okay, I'm delighting in you, Lord. So you're going to, you know, you know, bust open my bank account or I'm delighting yeah. in you and you're going to give me the house I want, or you're going to give me the dog I want, you know, actually I have a dog that I mm -hmm. want, but, but you know what, those, those things it's, I did I delight myself in the Lord and he gives me the desire of my heart, which is knowing him more. And that is so much better than everything else. So uh, I think that that verse is way more about us knowing God better mm. and getting the greatest prize, which is him than getting the desires that we just our, our flesh wants. Yeah. And I think understanding that context really becomes a game changer yeah. in our own relationship with the Lord, talking back to intimacy that we talked in the first episode and really diving in on that idea of prayer is coming before God, not for ourselves, but in yeah. order to get more of him. Uh, so for someone who may understand that completely uh, and is really diving into what it means to be intimate with the Lord, but they're still not seeing those prayers answered. How would you counsel someone in that situation? Is it because they don't have enough faith? Uh, what is the maybe an underlying issue or maybe a misunderstanding that's kind of feeding into that? Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of times we try to turn to, to, and I think the enemy really condemns us even. Mm. And it's like, you're the problem. You don't have enough faith. Mm. Uh, if we're ever in, and listen, our biggest problem is ourselves. You know, a lot of times we even try to blame the enemy for everything. And listen, he's a liar and he's after us and he hates us. And we need to understand we're in a spiritual war for sure. But there's also another spiritual war and it's my flesh. You know, my, my flesh, second Peter, or excuse me, first Peter two says that it, that it, it wages war against my soul. So we even have some self condemnation, you know, a lot of times, but I think the importance of it's so important that we understand the character of God mm. 
Because when we understand the character of God, we understand that he doesn't waste our time. And, uh, you know, Romans 11 says, who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? His, his judgments are inscru inscrutable. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. I've prayed for things over and over and over and over again. And they haven't happened. Even had situations in my family of great brokenness and, and estrangement and hard things and going, God, why, why has all this been able to happen? I mean, my, my house flooded and we didn't know like what in the world. We've got five kids, five and under, and we're coming home from a vacation and everything floods and we're asking God, what, what, what are we supposed to do? And when I look at all those situations, now, eventually the Lord did bring answers. I can tell you, they're not the answers that I thought. And really at the time, they're not even the answers that I wanted. But in God's goodness and his faithfulness, because he is absolutely good, they're the answers that I needed. And when I think, um, so, so when I think about the things that God did in my life in those times where I feel like he's not answering my prayers, well, he actually is. Um, but he's not giving me what I wanted. Hmm. Um, and that's where we need to understand that like, uh, God is, is so wise. Like he's a perfectly wise King. And with him, he doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste our time. He knows what he's doing and it falls back on it, knowing that he's working for my good and, uh, we can trust them. So, I mean, I could go there. There's some things where we're trying to understand a finite beings, trying to understand the infinite God that it can be, it can be really hard, but when we've come to understand that God is faithful and he's good, that's where you can get to that place of like a song we sing all the time that he's, he's never going to let me down. Yeah. So even when I ask and he doesn't answer the way that I want, I can be sure and know that he's going to answer in the way that I need. Mm. And you mentioned this story about your house flooding and I've heard you talk about it uh, just in conversation or from stage a couple of times, but can you talk about how that particular situation really fed into your dependence on God personally? Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like I've told the story so much. I try to like stay away from it, but it was such a, a seminal moment where we had no idea what we were going to do. And we started to pray and it really was God. Like we need you to fix this. We were in need. We had all the money that we had, you know, it wasn't a situation where like a pipe burst, it was rainfall. And so we didn't live in a floodplain. Wow. And so there is no insurance or anything like that is covered. It's all out of pocket. And so we, we spent all the mon money we had to like pay for the mitigation, you know, uh, so that it wouldn't mold, wouldn't grow and all these different things just to dry the house out. Everything was destroyed. And so we started to do our best, right? Which is what we try to do. We're, we're knocking on every door. We get a, we get a, a meeting with the mayor, find out that our house qualifies for all the things that are going to qualify for the city to buy our house. And so we're thinking, oh yes, this is it, God, this is exactly what we want. <laughs> you know, like it's for this to happen. And we find out that, well, that won't even happen for six more years. Well, that oh, wow. doesn't fit within our time frame that we were hoping for or desiring. And then even like, maybe someone will buy our house. Maybe our neighbor will just buy our house as is. Well, that would have been a huge financial loss, but it was just like, we were done with this house. We hated it, but that's not what we needed. And so God in his goodness continued Proverbs three, five, and six. And this is why we need to know the promise of God. 
and pray them. We need to read the Bible. We need to know what God promises. He gives us commands that we need to ask for in faith. And then he gives us promises that we need to receive with thanksgiving, not begging him for because he's already promised it. And he keeps his promises. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on what you understand and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. And so uh, God in his goodness, as we would go down different routes and we continue to pray, dependent on him, he would go, no, it's this way. Like, no, it's this mm -hmm. way. He kept directing our path to the point where eventually um, God, there were some people that we didn't know that went to the Grand Prairie campus uh, that stepped in and took the money that was raised from a GoFundMe to what should have cost over $80,000 to, wow. to make our house not flood again and rebuild it take $29,000 and completely renovate and make our house where it wouldn't flood again. And like all people we didn't know hmm. uh, that didn't speak my language, didn't, uh, didn't think all oh, Matt's a great guy. Like they weren't doing it cause they liked me. They were doing it so that Jesus would receive glory. And when I think about how that happened, it has totally changed. It is everything that I needed because God used that to give me a passion for my neighborhood that he made it clear. I have planted you in this house and you are not allowed to leave hmm. because you are to be a gospel outpost to your neighborhood. And so that changed the way that we saw our neighborhood. I don't think I'd be the South Oaks campus pastor because I wouldn't have believed that God was leading me there, but I needed that to happen so that God would call me to that area code that I, or excuse me, not area code zip code of 76017. Now I'm in a, a D group and a community group with three of my neighbors that, that weren't a part of Fielder beforehand. Now I'm the South Oaks campus pastor and I'm getting to see lives change and people come to faith that live in that zip code. And now I'm like, I'm on like a 500 and so day streak trying to learn Spanish. <laughs> I'm praying in Spanish when I can, because God has changed my whole outlook on life. Not because he, because he didn't give me what I wanted. Think about if some, if my neighbor would have bought my house for, you know, half of what it's worth, the, yeah. the market skyrockets, Lord gives us his house and plants us there. Man, I could go on and on and on about how much my life would be missing if God would have given me what I wanted instead of what I needed. And that's how God always does it. He's faithful and good. We can trust him even when he doesn't answer in the way that we think he should. Yeah. And so when you're teaching on this, you are teaching from the position of someone who has lived through and seen the faithfulness of God in your own life. And I can tell just by the way you're speaking <laughs> that you have like a passion yeah. for people understanding that. And I really love that. And I know our listeners will as well. Uh, and so as we kind of wrap up, our time here, what are maybe one or two key takeaways, some practical things that we can give our listeners just to make sure that they are maybe shifting their perspective away from just need-based prayer uh, to kind of the fullness of what God would have for them. Yeah, I think we've talked a lot about the character of God and understanding that he's faithful and that when he doesn't answer the way that we think that he should, we can trust him. I think of Moses a lot of times like standing on the cusp of the Red Sea and, and he was someone who was always kind of complaining at God before that. But after he'd seen God be faithful, he could stand in front of the Red Sea and know that the Lord was going to deliver him with, with, with Pharaoh's army behind him. He could do that in faith because he looked behind him and saw how God was faithful mm -hmm. in Egypt with all the yeah. plagues. He knew he was going to be faithful before him. And so my greatest like takeaway would say, encourage people to begin to read God's word and begin to pull out the promises. God is, God's word is full of promises and they're really commands that he need, that we need to ask him to give us the faith to walk into, 
or their truths that we need to receive with thanksgiving. Like we need to literally receive them because if we're in Christ, every promise in God's word is ours. Mm. And so you, you take that Philippians 419, I, I would encourage, you know, our listeners begin to begin to identify promises in God's word by underlining them and then thanking God for them. So if it's a truth, thank God for it. And then literally with your eyes open, it doesn't say in God's word that you need to pray with your eyes closed, yeah, with your eyes open, read it and claim it, not name it, claim it, but in Christ, it's yours. Thank you, God, that your word says that you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And so I give this need to you and I trust that you're not gonna give me what I want, but what I need. Or if it's a command you need to ask for in faith then ask for it in faith that God would give you the strength to walk in it. So you're praying God's word, you're focusing on his faithfulness, you're focusing on his character, and that will totally change the lifeline. Like, please save me, God, mm. to thank you that you saved me. And that no matter what I walk through, I can count it all joy because the test of my faith develops perseverance that'll finish its work and make me mature and complete, not lacking anything that'll make me more like Jesus. That's a promise in James 1, 3. And so when we understand that God's way more interested, that he saved us to make us like him, he's way more interested in building our character to make us like him than building our comfort to uh, make us good people mm -hmm. and just comfortable people, then it changes the way that we pray that even when we're in the midst of the storm, we can thank him knowing that he's going to take care of us and that we have victory in him and he's going to give us what we need because he promises to give us what we need, but we have to, but he does want us to be dependent on him. And so even when we walk through hard things, we can be dependent and trust him, know that he's going to care mm. for us and give us our daily bread. Mm. Yeah, that's such good stuff. Yeah. And I know I needed that encouragement today. So thank you for, for sharing. And I needed it too, man. <laughs> Most of the time I'm talking, I'm talking to myself of what I've learned and what I need to remember because we're, we're really, we forget really easy. Yeah. Yeah. And we're walking down this road together and as a church. So thank you for, for taking the time today to be on the podcast. And thank you listeners for taking the time uh, to listen to our heart a little bit more on prayer. Uh, tune in next week to make sure that you're continuing with us on this series. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. We would love to know what other questions you have about prayer. You can submit those at fielder.org slash podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just leave a comment below. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review. That helps this message reach more people in our community because it's our hope this podcast would equip you and many others to live as followers of Christ outside the walls of the church.